Hello, everyone. Welcome into another episode of Capturing the Game, the Game Within the Game podcast featuring my man Brady and me, the co-host Desmond Jones. Today, we got another awesome episode featuring Lauren Beasley. Lauren, how are you doing today? I'm great. How are you guys? I'm doing pretty good. Uh, B, how you doing, man? I'm doing okay today. Awesome, man. Awesome. So, Lauren, can you go ahead and tell the audience a little bit about yourself so they can get to know you and be familiar with you? Oh, yeah, sure. Um, I said name is Lauren Beasley. Um, in my workforce, I go by LB. We got a lot of Laurens in the building, so I go by LB. Um, I work for the Indiana Fever as the digital marketing manager there. Um, it'll be two years in May since I've been with the team. Um, so for me, that's a dream job. Grew up a student athlete, grew up playing pretty much every sport you could think of. Football was actually the first love, but mom wouldn't let me play. So eventually a transition to basketball where that truly became, you know, my love of all sports probably and uh, grew up in Detroit, but was actually born in Atlanta. Uh, spent, like I said, all my time pretty much in Detroit up until I moved here. So uh, I guess that's the quick synopsis of who Lauren Beasley is. Gotcha. So how did you end up working for Indiana Fever? Um, just the good old fashioned way, to be honest, just good old apply. <laughs> um, like I said, for me, I, sports has always been something I love. Um, I've been in digital media realm for probably the last six years or so, started off in radio um, and pretty much just worked my way up there. So I've always been on the digital side. First started off as a digital producer for a morning show back in Detroit, where I handled more of the social media aspects. So instead of worrying about the board and the actual day to day, it was more about the digital side. And then became an online editor, which in radio, or at least at Urban One, which is where I worked. Um, it was kind of, again, more of like a digital manager. We just had a different title. So it was handling all the social, the email, the apps for all the various stations. So I did that um, at Radio One Indianapolis. Um, so that's actually how I ended up moving here um, from Detroit. And then about two and a half years in at Radio One Indy, was enjoying it, but was ready for something different. And again, basketball was always a big part of who I who I was and who I am um and growing up you know the dream was to play in the WNBA but as I got older you know I understood that probably wasn't going to be the, the case so next best thing would be to be able to work in the WNBA no matter what team I was for but they just happened to have an opening I applied and by the blessings of God and um a great VP um who gave me a chance I was able to be hired on <laughs> No, that's pretty uh, pretty interesting. So what kind of made that transition of doing, going into radio and then kind of going into just the um, digital uh, media side of it? Because they're like, like almost two different things. So how did like that, what was that transition or interests like spark for you? Yeah. Um, in some ways it was a very similar and in some ways it, it was very different. You know, with, with radio, I will say one thing with radio, I always still had sports as a part of my background um, because with being radio, I mean, you guys know it's, it's more about the music, the entertainment and the artists. So there is normally a lack of sports, but being in Detroit and then Indiana, two major sports towns, <laughs> um, sports was still always a forefront. So even if I wasn't always in, as involved, it was always still there. I was always still kind of in the sports realm. But beyond that, I would say just the biggest difference was more so just the day-to-day, -day. Um, you know, in the essence of for the radio, it could be an interview one day, it could be an event the next. Um, it was just so many different variables. And then in my case, working for Radio One Indianapolis specifically, um, that was seven stations I was responsible for digitally. So that's all of their social media and each one has their own accounts, you know, from Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, each have their own websites. You got breaking news. It just was more of a day-to-day -day grind um, as we're with the fever, as you guys know, it's a longer off season. So for one, it's about in the off season, making that content spread, getting in touch with your players and et cetera. And then during the season it ramps up, but it's a different kind. I don't have to worry about you know, 30 different accounts for 30 different teams. It's just one, you know, what, and that's just our fever accounts and whatnot. And then it's, you know, I would say it's probably two, the biggest other difference It's probably a big team effort. You know, I actually have a team with me um, with the fever. I'm fortunate enough to have two great teammates um, who help run social on one end and then the other one is our video content producer. And between all of us, we do great work, but then as a team, we really put it, to get, put it all together in a great way. So that's the other big difference. 
That's awesome. So, um, so here's a question for you. So when did you fall in love with basketball? I know you say you grew up playing football. I mean, wanting to play football, but you know, parents didn't allow you, but what made you fall in love with, with the game of basketball? Oh, it's funny, man. I actually couldn't stand basketball at first because to me it was too many rules. And it's so funny because when people are like, well, you liked football, which is way more complex. <laughs> the difference was football was simple. You pick up the ball and you run with it or you catch it and you run and that was it. Or if you're on defense, you get the person with the ball. Basketball was too complicated. What you mean I can't pick it up? If I pick it up, I can't put it back down. What are you talking about? You know, dribble here. Well, that's, he could steal it from me. What are you doing? So to me, basketball was super complicated. So at first I was like, forget basketball. Um, but <laughs> I ended up playing um, just with some friends here and there. And I was the girl who did not want to shoot. I could be right under the rim, wide open and I'm passing it back out to the top of the key. Like, no, I'm not. They're like, Lauren, you're wide open. I'm like, I don't care. I don't, I don't shoot. This is not what I do. I just, I lived off hustle. I would go up and jump, try to jump out, jump anybody in the room or on the court, rebound the ball. I'll take the Marcus Smart dives, no flopping, <laughs> um, you know, and things like that. But that was it. Um, so I really fell in love with the game right in my own backyard when um, it, it just happened to happen three neighbors um, across the street who were around my age or a little older and they put a hoop out in the middle of the street the old school way and mm -hmm. played all summer and I ended up kind of playing with them and as I played with them I saw myself getting better but more so I just fell in love with the concept of the game putting the work in and I really saw myself start to evolve I mean from I went from not really like being a, a legit role player <laughs> in fifth grade to like sixth grade starting shooting guard because it was like, okay, you know, now I can come into the game knowing something. So I would say that's really when the love started was that summer hanging out with those three neighbors of mine, just playing in the middle of the street um, day in and day out. And that was like all summer. <laughs> no, that that's, that's pretty cool um, doing that. And then um, with your love of basketball coming in with like the, uh, all the rules and, and that's, and that's I played basketball going um, in high school, and then I decided that I wasn't going to make it as well. So I was like, you know what, I'll stick to running. And now I'm coaching at a high school with track. So it's like my love for there is with running. Um, but I'm going into with the um, digital media side of it. Um, what is probably one of the most challenging things for you within um, getting social media out and like the um, aspect of that? I think with social, it's always just finding your audience or know, for knowing your audience and then growing your audience. Because you obviously, once you have your audience, you want to continue to cater to that audience. But at the same time, you're still trying to bring in the, that new audience, that new fan base, that new fan who can eventually possibly turn into somebody beyond just somebody who likes your photos or likes your videos or comments, but turns into a, an actual ticket buyer, turns into a lifelong fan, and then they bring others in. So I think it's always trying to just cater to that a little bit and with that you're also trying to feel yourself out within those trends you know I mean you guys know there's always a new trend there's always a new app <laughs> so as soon as you think you got a handle on it I guarantee you, you don't or as soon as you actually do here comes a new aspect of it um, and you might want to try it but then you got to figure out well, how does it work for us and how does this how do we storytell here is this the best place to storytell or should we take it here and then maybe just tease over here so I would say that's constantly probably the most ongoing challenging thing I would say you know on the plus side though at least on the definitely work with the fever and in the WME in general it's just so many great storytelling moments there and it's a never-ending cycle in my opinion so that part is fun it's just figuring out where they belong and how we tell them the best possible way so people can find them do you have any stories right now that like you gravitate to right now that some of them that may be your favorite or something that's like you're ready to uh, release or you or you may have released already but you just you know you just love that particular story ah uh, you know <laughs> There is there's so many I would say with the fever specifically I think they're definitely an underdog right now. Um, you know yeah. when you look at the you know from free agency this year mm -hmm. and so many different changes um, fever made moves but maybe not the moves that everybody noticed or caught. Mm -hmm. um, and they're a team that you know they're looking to find their identity new coach and their first year yeah. with their new coach was in the wobble and etc so. Yeah. He, 
one of our players, is, it amazes me, has these amazing stories. I mean, even just starting from the draft with Kaiser Gondrasek, I mean, you know, she was yeah. the surprise of the draft, or at least the first surprise of the draft at number four. People are now getting to know her, and her story is amazing. I mean, she comes from a true basketball family, from her father, may he rest in peace, to her mom, to her sister. You know, so her story is exciting to tell because, as she said, you know, nobody had her picked for number four. You know, she she was this one of the main shocks of the draft, and I'm excited to see her story be told, um, especially going into her rookie season. Lauren Cox has another amazing story, everything that she's had to endure injury-wise and also um, while fighting diabetes. Um, you know, so there's just so many great stories with this team individually. And then I think always too on the fever side, you know, we have a leadership team of women down from our president, Dr. Allison Barber, all the way down to our head coach and Marion Stanley. And of course, you can't forget about Tamika, who's right there in the middle as GM mm-hmm. and player uh, operations. So just think about that female empowerment in a time where, you know, the woman is being her probably at the highest level ever thus far yeah. in our time. Absolutely. Uh, so okay, so I got a, I got a, I got a draft question to ask. So when they're making the picks, do uh-huh. they, do you guys know it's like slightly in advance? So you can compare, prepare your media content, or you just know once they announce the pick. Most of the time, you at least can get depending on it depends on the team. Most of the time, you can normally at least get some type of idea. I'll say for us, no matter what, even if we don't get like a list, we just start preparing graphics and we'll at least go off some mocks. Like that's what we kind of did this year. We just kind of went off mocks and then we had a couple like randoms ready just based on the info that we had gotten, but we had no idea. Like it was not for sure. Like, hey guys, we're taking Kaiser, have a graphic ready. We were legit like sitting there with a template empty to ready to go to slide in her picture, change in her information. Cause that's kind of how, at least on our side, we do it. It's yeah. kind of like a good trick of the trade. We've kind of mastered over the last few years. And I'm, and I'm pretty sure a lot of other teams do the same where you just pretty much, you get your templates made, you make it very interchangeable. So all you gotta do is change that picture, change that name, that number, position, whatever you need to do. So that way it's like super simple. Uh, especially once you start getting past like mid second round because I mean you guys see that those names go off the mm-hmm. board super quick so at that point you know we're just like we had seven picks you know yeah. so it was just kind of like oh god like we didn't know the trade with uh Kennedy Burke to Seattle and Aaliyah Wilson coming you know we didn't know that yeah. was gonna happen so we didn't we had a trade template graphic ready but then we had a welcome graphic we're like well we gotta add the trade new it, <laughs> it's crazy you build your templates but i promise you they always end up changing in some way shape or form at the end of the night because you're just like okay wow well, no we were gonna do this <laughs> um so you know especially this year coming from my first uh last year we had three picks to six which turned into seven with the trade it was just like yeah. oh my god so we've kind of teased tamika uh saying please never again not, not <laughs> it was it, it was a lot we teased her like no no more no more seven pick nights how, how does that how does that like the, the challenges of that does that give added stress when you have to um throw something together last minute like that or is it kind of like an enjoyable like um fast-paced like maybe stress environment is it fun or not uh it's 50 50 i will say this one was a little bit more enjoyable um because we we were truly prepared and maybe it was just already having a good virtual draft under our belt um mm-hmm. so we already kind of knew what to expect we knew those last few uh picks were going to go off the board super fast and we were going to be a little late so even if you see it on your tv we might tweet it five minutes later and we were okay with that um but when you don't have anything, <laughs> like when you like, let's just say we didn't have, we had a trade template graphic already ready. We didn't know if we were going to trade picks at all. We just were like, we got six of them at the time. You never know. Let's just have it just in case. If we hadn't had a trade template graphic ready, it would have been stressed, nothing enjoyable about it. Cause then it would have been, okay, one of us has to create this real quick, make sure it looks right, fits the style. So I would say being prepared made it much more of that good adrenaline rush where you're just like, oh yeah, I'm feeding off the energy. You know, I can't believe we did that. I'll digest it later, but I'm good. I'm prepared. And the communication between specifically probably me and our social media manager, uh, Zach, was huge because we were actually no different than us right now, like on a Zoom call. 
just chatting the entire time as we're working through captions mm -hmm. and graphics. So it added a good adrenaline rush, like, okay, yeah, we're good to go. Send it out, send it out. All right, you know, but if we had not been prepared, it would have been stretch USA. Yeah, I, I completely understand. I was about to say, Brady, it sounds familiar, don't it? Yeah, yeah, just a little bit. Yeah, because we <laughs> we helped cover how the draft on the agency side. We are just helping um, promote it and put it out there. We did it last season with the guys. And we just did it this past season with the girls. So we not as not as in depth as what you guys have done, making all those types of fancy graphics and having a match. But we it's just a little slight bit. Yeah, it's 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 so underrated. People don't realize like they see all the stuff get pushed out. I mean, but, you know, again, credit to our team. So much of it is just, you know, as much of it as we can plan in advance. Um, and the good thing is, I think people get used to the the system, you know, you can reach out to colleges and, and start getting pictures and film and things like that. You know, the, those, they know what to expect on their end around this time of the year. So that makes it easier. And, and a lot of times I think as long as you understand, it's going to be a little bit of an adrenaline rush, trust the process, take your time and also understand sometimes you're going to create content that will never get used. You know, we, we could, we had highlight reels for a couple of different players that we didn't draft clearly. So it was just like, you know, but just based off a of mock, if they said we were taking such and such, we made sure we had a highlight reel ready to roll. If we don't draft them, it's just like, well, it doesn't matter anymore, but you just, you understand that. <laughs> that just kind of comes with it. Yeah, no, we, we get it. <laughs> we completely <laughs> understand from, from this, from our side. Um, so what, what should people know how to do or if they're trying to enter the digital marketing, sp market, uh, marketing space? You know, I think that's the fun thing about digital. It's not necessarily one thing you need to know. Um, I, I believe in coming in multi-faceted multi if, you, if you can. Um, mm -hmm. if, if you do have something that that is your, your thing, whether that is, you know, social, if that's app, if that's web, um, even if it's a little bit more of the digital journalism side, whatever it is that's your niche, definitely continue to make that your strong point. But I feel like in digital, we all wear so many hats. Nobody is just one thing. I mean, you heard me mention Zach earlier, who is our technically his term is a uh, digital marketing coordinator. Um, but I mean, in all sorts of ways, he's six different positions, really. Um, he's the social media manager. He manages all of our social accounts and takes care of the captions and etc. Um, he's also kind of like our photographer at times. So some of like the shots that we put up today for our first day of training camp is coming from him. Um, you know, little things like that. He's also somebody who can edit video and he takes care of the YouTube page. And then on the flip side, we have our video content producer who is primary job is long form video content. But again, she might be putting together a whole live draft show <laughs> um, a whole nother time, which not necessarily in her job description, but it's just what she does. Um, and with this virtual world, these last, you know, this last year going on two years now, you know, that really changed the game. So I would say, if nothing else, be open to learning as many different things as you can um, and try to become multifaceted. Again, doesn't mean if you have your niche that you can't focus on it because I know plenty of great graphic designers and that fits into the digital world. So it doesn't mean, you know, go out here and start trying to learn social media management. But at the same time, the more you know, the more valuable I think you are in this business and the more you're able to do the more valuable, you know, I think you are. And again, just always be open to learning because as soon as you think you, you got it down, like I said, here comes another app. I'm still over here trying to figure out TikTok. <laughs> now we, we have attempted to try to get into TikTok and TikTok is definitely an interesting <sighs> app to get into. Yeah, it's for not sure. bad for me. Um, the girl <laughs> wants to be behind the scenes who could care less. You know, it was the same thing when Instagram first came out. I've always been like, I don't want to tell you what I'm eating. Like, you don't need to know where I am. Like, it, 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 I struggle with anything with TikTok, even though I'm bored being silly sometimes at the house. But it's just, I don't, I don't want to share that with the world. <laughs> just send it to a couple of friends in a group chat. So it's not meant for me. <laughs> but, uh, you know, our, our, uh, our digital marketing coordinator, Zach, does a great job with it. But I still don't fully understand it. <laughs> Man, so I, uh, yeah, I definitely understand that. I, to this day, I still don't have a TikTok. Like my brother sends me all types of TikTok videos. I, I don't even bother to click on it because I'm like, I don't got a tick, I don't got a TikTok, so I'm not even gonna open it. So, <laughs> um, but it, it'd be some 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 funny videos from from time to time. Okay. I feel 
I feel I feel bad for not opening them. So hopefully, <laughs> hopefully you don't you don't hear you don't know or hear that I, I don't open up this stuff. But um, what? So let's go back to Radio One. So when you first got into Radio One, how was it? What was it like for you? And what was that experience like? Uh, well, I first got hired on, I guess, to take it all the way back to the beginning. Originally, um, I started off kind of, if you will, like an off-the-books intern, freelancer, if you will, with Radio mm-hmm. One. Um, I, at the time, I had just um, graduated from Specs Howard School of Media Arts, which is kind of like a broadcasting trade school in Michigan. Um, so I kind of was more so just trying to look for work. Um, and you and I'm, you all have experienced this, I'm sure, in the sense of, you know, they give you an interview and then they tell you, you need more experience. It's like, what the heck do you think I'm trying to get? Um, so it was constantly just, you know, some no's, which is expected. So I kind of got tired of waiting. It was just more in the mode of create your own opportunities, especially at that time online, like radio was becoming a big thing with like blog talk radio, if you guys remember that, um, little things like that. So I just started to build my own kind of like website, um, online radio show built up my social media following like reporting locally and stuff like that and the online editor at the time at Radio 1 Detroit um, who went by AC she actually knew me reached out and offered me an opportunity to kind of do that more so for Radio 1 specifically so that kind of started off kind of just like as a sports writer freelance sports writer for them which was on all the sites and her thing was, you know, if an opening happens in radio here, I'll let you know, you can apply and hopefully, you know, we'll be able to get it. So I, before even getting into the digital realm, I just was a regular board op, which was more so like your syndicated shows, um, just learn how to run the board and basics, but I was still doing all of that digital journalism sports wise. Um, and because of that digital journalism side, and I, and I guess still kind of being a little bit young on the younger side and being into the social world, which was still growing at the time, Instagram was still kind of getting its rise when a new morning show was created for our hip hop station at the time. I believe I have no idea to this day how it came to be, but I believe I was recommended and thought of by our bosses to be the digital producer in radio. So then it kind of transitioned from just being that full-time board op who just jumps from station to station, pushing buttons and et cetera, to full-on digital producer. And that's really when I started to really see the digital side fully, because at this point, it's not just writing articles. Like I said, it was captions, it was social, it was um, booking interviews, um, scheduling those interviews, filming those interviews. How do you cut it up? How do you tease it? Um, what's the best way, you know, do you need a thumbnail? Do you not, you know, all these different things started to become key and I kind of honed those skills and then honed them even more once the online editor position rolled around, which was my mentor. She ended up transitioning to iHeart at the time. Um, and she was over three markets, one of them being indie. Um, so at that point she just said, you know, if you think this is right for you, you think you're ready to take this next step, go ahead, apply, let's see what happens. And I actually had the choice to stay in Indy, I mean, stay in Detroit or go to Indy. I chose Indy just because I was kind of ready for a change, wanted to challenge myself, wanted to get out of, uh, get a, get away from home for a bit and see what mm-hmm. happens. Um, and then I said, once I got here, it was a totally different monster. I thought I knew social and digital, but I didn't know it for seven stations. <laughs> that was that was a monster like I said I I repeat you know you're that's about 20 plus accounts that I was responsible for on a daily basis not to mention breaking news which was happening every second somebody's always getting locked up um somebody's always got a new album out or a new record there's always some new beef somebody always has a new breakup somebody got caught it's always just something (laughs) so you just constantly found yourself always trying to be on top of the breaking news and et cetera. So that, I guess that that would be kind of how I would say the radio beginning happened and how I got to like the very end. So who who kind of like inspired you um, to get into either the radio business or into the digital um, uh, media side of that? Who was that that one person that kind of sparked your interest? In it? Um, Actually, it kind of started, nobody in particular, but originally I was a, <clears throat> excuse me, originally I was a pre-law uh, student at UAD, uh, Detroit Mercy, oh, wow. back in Detroit. Um, and the reason for that was after I played basketball all the way up into the end of my sophomore year where I tore my ACL. Um, when I tore my ACL, I knew I was going to miss my junior year, which was, as you guys know, a huge part of your recruiting year. Um mm-hmm. 
So I kind of spent my entire junior year and I didn't have the best coach who had the best connect connections at the time. So I kind of spent my junior year like almost like pitching myself to college coaches all over the country and surprisingly they answered. Um, so I ended up kind of creating a mini business my junior year to work with the boys basketball team uh, to be right. kind of like their college liaison, if you will. So making sure they understood like NCAA Clearinghouse, which you needed to pass or SAT or ACT scores, what those needed to be. Um, and because we had a good young talent team, I went to Detroit Consortium High School, um, which is where Josh Jackson currently plays for the Pistons. Um, mm -hmm. He went there for a short time. So okay, we had right. some good young talent there at the time, but we were still a small new school that most people didn't know compared to maybe like your powerhouses like Persian and Cast Tech and et cetera. So they didn't they didn't know us mm -hmm. yet. So I just was kind of like, I can I can do this. Let me let me be your let me be your pitcher, so to speak. And you know, that start off with me just reaching out to college coaches all over the country and responding. So long story short, that worked out very well to a point where I met Coach McCullum, who was the head coach at Detroit Mercy at the time. Um, and he offered me opportunity to kind of be like a more of advanced student manager on his team. <laughs> Um, and actually go there and kind of use the skills, but in a different way with his team. Um, so my vision was like sports agent, sports attorney at the time, because at this point I'm getting used to working with the guys, make sure they know what they need to do, um, kind of, you know, giving them advice in the best way that I think I can. So I was thinking sports agent. So first it was just a few of my friends, like classmates just pointing out like, Lauren, not to say you couldn't do this, but it seems like maybe communications might be your route, you know, cause I, we were always talking sports and they, they, they claimed, I'm not saying this, you know, I was, you know, very intellectual. I knew what I was talking about. So it was always just kind of like, yeah, I guess. But in my mind, when I thought of communications or even anything broadcast and digital, I always thought of like a sideline reporter. Cause from a female standpoint, that was pretty much all I saw. It was either a host or a sideline reporter, let, let alone someone who looks like me. So it was always just kind of like, I don't want to be a sideline reporter. There's nothing wrong with it. I think they're great at what they do. That's just not what I want to do. So I never looked at it from that perspective. And But enough people were starting to encourage me to go the communications route, and I kind of switched it over. But I would say the true person who really got me going was, um, I would probably have to say, was probably AC because it was with AC um, who I really, really got it really got involved in the digital circuit, you know, before it was just the basics of being in communications, radio, television, film, not really knowing where I wanted to go. But with AC, she was so ahead of her time and still is, quite frankly, with the digital realm that she got me going and she had me opening up my mind to a whole different genre of work that I had never really explored before. I never really saw social media and digital as work before. It was always just like, well, this is just, you know, this is personal, this is just what you do. And it was like, no, this is, this is going to be a huge part of what comes to be for the next few decades, if not longer. So yeah, yeah there's going to be opportunities. It's just about harnessing where you want to be in that digital world because you will have your pick of places if you want to eventually go to sports or if you want to go to food, fashion or health and fitness, whatever it is, there's going to be a market for it because digital is taking over. <laughs> I definitely agree. Um, so like speaking of which, so when you, when you guys, um, when everyone's making tweets or posts for the WNBA or for the, for or for their teams, do they collaborate with other teams to kind of help push? I don't know, maybe a theme or something out for the league. Mm -hmm. uh, I guess so. This essence of my question is like, how, you know, how would or how much do you guys network with? other teams and help kind of promote the WNBA and try to help it grow on mm -hmm. the digital platforms, but also just get in the, in the fans' hands. Yeah, for sure. I would say WNBA as a whole does a great job of like leading the charge with that. Um, yeah. Just in the sense of always, you know, we, we have obviously calls where we check in uh, with all various departments, but digitally and socially and whatnot, we have calls where we check in and, you know, when something's going well, you know, with the Jersey launches, you know, there were pre-conversations before Jersey launch and there were going to be post-conversations after it just discussed, you know, what went well and et cetera. Um, and always encouraging each other to, you know, make sure we're sharing if we see an opportunity. And I think too, the great thing about the W is everybody really does get 
you know, the camaraderie feel with the league, you know, we are, it truly is there, you know, not just with the players, but even on our level, there's vast communication at all levels from marketing to PR, to social and digital to even at the very top with like COOs and presidents, you know, we, we see it at all levels. So there's always constant communication, I feel like going on. And if there are opportunities for maybe a singular team to connect with another, we've had those, especially like, you know, maybe sometimes in the wobble where access was limited, where everybody wasn't down there. Some people were, if we saw if somebody on Phoenix saw a photo opportunity of Diana and Tamika, they might post the photo on their end, but they're letting us know like, hey, we got this great photo or hey, we're, gonna, we're just gonna tag you. So that way you can tag it. And sometimes it just goes without saying, we don't even need to say anything. It's just like, oh, this is a great piece of content featuring both of us we're going to re, re, uh, retweet it or we're going to comment and show some love to it, you know, and then we have our fun moments during the games too, you know, if it's a close one, we might go back and forth a little bit with some different gifts and et cetera. So that's always fun too. So yeah, I would just say in a lot of ways it goes without saying we just naturally have that camaraderie, but then at the same time, we have moments where we are able to collaborate and talk and reach out to each other and say, Hey, what are you working on? Or, Hey, we got an idea. We think this might work great for you too. What are you thinking? And then sometimes our players get together and it encourages us to do it because like we saw in the wobble, there were so many great moments of solidarity yes. that it at times, you know, it may not be the entire league, but maybe it was just six particular players coming together for a moment or the Holly Rose interview with six of the player association members, you know, and it was just like, oh, okay, well, one of our players is involved. Atlanta, one of Atlanta's players is involved. You know, one of Seattle's players is involved. So we communicated about how that was going to look socially. Do we need to share a hashtag? Anything like that? Yeah. Yeah, I think that's cool. Um, I was gonna gotta ask a question about the wobble. Um, were you able to go down there with the team? And then how was um that like storytelling like while you were down there? And was there anything like that? Um, that like the WNBA told you guys like all the teams like how you guys are supposed to post or what certain like content was supposed to be posted in a sense. Mm-hmm. Uh, personally, I wasn't in the wobble. Um, the person who kind of was, and he was, <laughs> we still to this day owe him as many beers as he wants. Um, was our PR, <laughs> our PR director, uh, Ryan uh, Stevens. He went down, um, down there. Um, he pretty much represented us. So, like a lot of the content, just due to space and etc. With everything going on, was a limited my space, and we weren't able to go so he was responsible for getting us a lot of that up close and personal kind of like video content that we normally would have gotten he was responsible for that so that was huge for us um it still made obviously uh storytelling challenging just because you know it wasn't our full team down there but it also forced us to get creative and think about different ways use zoom use different ways use writing instead of video if we couldn't do that it was okay well, let's get some quotes let's get a great story out here as many ways as we can tell the story of our players, the team, this moment, the current time, let's do it. Um, And the WNBA was fully supportive. You know, I think that's always been the great thing about the W and they're starting to get more credit for it, but they've always been ahead of their time with standing up for what they believe in and equality, social justice and et cetera. So there were no pillars, you know, put down in the sense of, um, and at least not in a negative way of, you know, post this, don't post that, you know, I would say each team has their own style for sure. Um, you know, certain teams are a little bit more focused in this area. Certain teams came up with hashtags and sayings, and then others may have started a foundation. Others had sweepstakes, others had, um, uh, auctions, you know, that they did. So I think that was the great thing. We all, as a as a whole came together, but we also individually had our different ways of handling in our community and how we put it out there and how we show support. But the WNBA has always just been great encouraging us like, if you want to go do an auction, go do an auction. You know, we, you got a saying change can't wait. We love it. Put it out there, you know? So I, that's really, really been huge for us. And it's again, one of the reasons why I think the W really does deserve credit for always being ahead of its time and being some of the first, if not the first to really step up and say, Hey, these things matter and we're not going to hold our tongues about it. Yeah, that's pretty awesome. Um, I've actually had the chance to work um, alongside Ryan um, when he was he was at the Mad Ants, and I was able to work under him. So he's a pretty cool guy. Um, yeah. Um, but speaking about, I know you mentioned the Fever's jersey and like the jersey launches. What are your opinions on those jerseys, and how was 
um, that a whole process for you guys knowing, probably knowing ahead that these jerseys were coming out and kind of like the whole process behind creating that story to give to the world. Yeah. Um, love the jerseys. Love, love every single one of them. I'm not going broke to buy them all, but if I could, <laughs> I would definitely go. Cause I feel like, I mean, some, I think everybody's different, but everybody has different opinions where for me, at least every team has at least one jersey that I want yeah. at, at least. Um, and then there are some teams where I'm like, well, no, I want the whole trio. Like, it, you know, for my team, I want the whole trio. I want the heroin white jersey. I want the Explorer Navy blue jersey. Of course, I want the Rebel Stranger Things jersey. Like, come on. So, you know, there were moments for sure as they were getting unveiled where I was just like, good God, this is so dope. I would love this jersey. I would love that jersey. So I thought just seeing the jerseys in general all get launched was beautiful. I love the storytelling behind each jersey um, and more so just how it really does tie into their community or to their team, to their lineage. Um, specifically for us, like you said, we, you know, we've been preparing for this uh, for some time now, but it really probably got more down to the nitty gritty this last five, six months, you know, and for us, it was going back from our earlier conversations about, you know, how we wanted to storytell, what that looked like. And it was a true team effort led by our marketing director, uh, Shana Sangster, who did a wonderful job of kind of pulling in all these pieces from PR, uh, which is Ryan's department, to our department digitally, um, to our team store and that element and just kind of pulling us all in together where we were able to come up with a great storytelling idea. And of course, you know, naturally things are going to change. You know, players are available, they're not available, jerseys get in when they get in, all these different things. So you are truly trying to plan ahead as much as you can, understanding that things are not going to go the way you exactly plan. So for us to be able to still come out with what I felt was a strong storytelling moment, video piece with Tierra really tell a great story but then at the same time still have great other other great elements to show you from the website to the email blasts and etc all of those things were just amazing so I was really just proud of our team internal because everything for the most part was done internally by our team which was a beautiful site um and then you know like I said that Stranger Things jersey became kind of like one of the big talks of the day which was huge for us we all I think we all thought it would do well but it, it surpassed a lot of our expectations for sure um because I always feel like jerseys now with city edition on the NBA side people get excited for new jerseys I see a lot of uh great graphic designers now creating new uniforms all the time just for the heck of it to have fun and get people's ideas so I feel like that's kind of like the one of the new big trends now is just people being creative with their jersey ideas but this was the first time the w really got this creative um with nike and i loved it because i was just like hopefully this is the beginning of something that will last a very long time and that we'll continue to do to keep it fresh but also just give fans something new and exciting too yeah no, that's cool i do like the stranger things jerseys i know i know desmond and i uh, i think we were recording an earlier podcast where we were talking mm -hmm. about uh, thing we are talking about the jerseys and we are thinking about having a whole podcast just uh, episodes dedicated just talking about the jerseys because we oh, please do we really enjoy yeah we really enjoy every single one of them and there's yeah we i don't think we personally think there's no really bad one in this um nope. this whole lineup and i think that the the w has done a great job teaming up with nike and putting these jerseys out and i think with the growth of the W that these jerseys are helping it. And I think that it's just a great thing that both uh, people have done for it. Yeah, no, completely agree. Like you said, not a bad Jersey there. There's something for everybody, whatever your style is, there's just, it's all great. And I think that's also a part of the growth too, just understanding it goes beyond just something proud that the players can wear but something proud that you know a fan can wear and even too I think the great thing about these jerseys is it doesn't even necessarily have to appeal to a hardcore fan you know yeah. I think with the Stranger Things jersey you know we understand yeah you know you're gonna have our, our hardcore MVPs as we like to call them who we who we love who are gonna definitely show support and go buy it um but then on the flip side I can totally see that 13 year old kid who's just a fan of the show <laughs> who's just like I, mom I want the jersey like that's just <laughs> that's just what I want I want Stranger Things um you know for that person who's a big uh, black jersey fan i'm a big black jersey fan like i love me some good crisp black jerseys and it a lot of times unless it's like an arch rival like ohio state some from michigan hell no um, <laughs> 
like that, I'll, I'll wear it, you know? So for me, it's like, I, I could totally see me going to get Los Angeles uh, Sparks Black and gold jersey. I mean, I just like, oh my God, like this is, this is, this is killer. I would go get the Aces Black jersey, you know? So yeah. for me too, it appeals to, even if you're not necessarily a fan of a specific team or even necessarily a fan of the W just yet, because we're going to turn you into one, it just becomes, you know what, you, you're you still supporting this because you like the way this looks. We're opening up our horizons and whatnot, and I love that the W is doing that with the help of Nike, of course. Yeah, no, agreed. Um, I am a Michigan fan. I have some stuff hanging up um, behind yeah, me, I'll too. Keep so. that. I, I, felt, I felt very confident. <laughs> <laughs> I was looking around. I was like, I see some Chicago stuff over here. And I saw enough Michigan in the background. I was like, we okay, which it wouldn't matter. I still would have said it, but I felt more confident. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm from Chicago, so that's where some of my love uh, comes from. So Love it. So, but yeah, that kind of wraps up our interview portion of today's uh, segment. So now we're going to transition to our rapid fire segment. So it's our game within the game round where we kind of ask you rapid fire questions and get your feedback response. Um, me and Brady, we kind of have a tally in the scoreboard running in our background where we try to keep tabs on uh, just like certain decisions that people make and because uh, we have our own like favoritism towards some of our choices that we have. So my question for you is, Lauren, are you ready to play the game within the game i'm ready i'm ready all i'm right. nervous but i'm ready <laughs> <laughs> all right let's do it let's do it let's do it okay so are you a chocolate chip cookie type person or oatmeal raisin chocolate chip mm. yeah chocolate chip i'm old-fashioned give me my good old chocolate chip <laughs> see i i grew up mostly chocolate chip type person and then as i grew got older i became an oatmeal raisin so a nice I mean, little soft, chewy oatmeal raisin cookie. I can't go wrong with it. No, nah, ain't nothing wrong with it. No, nothing wrong with it. But if you between those two, now if you had threw like sugar cookie in there, it might have. You know, because we, we've had we've had a guest that he went he chose Snickerdoodle. Okay. And, yeah, and he, he threw in his own cookies. I was like, you know what? I'm not mad at that choice. Yeah, I'm still gonna say chocolate chip. I'm still old fashioned. Just give me my good old chocolate chip, but. After that, close second for me is a sugar cookie, hands down. <laughs> pretty good, pretty good choices. So um, I know we were just talking about the uh, the fever jersey. So oh. of the three, which one would you get rid of? Oh crap! <laughs> I like all three. Um. Um. Definitely not Stranger Things. That's got to stay. I'm partial to the white just because we haven't had a white jersey since Tamika um, retired. That was the last time we had white jerseys. So as much as I love Explore, because I love me some good dark, like neutral colors, as much as yeah. I love the Explore just to keep the white, I would probably say we could get rid of the Explore, but that's still a hard one because I love the Explore. <laughs> I just bought an Explore, so I'm just... <laughs> <laughs> but I love the I love the white jersey. It gives me such nostalgia uh, going back to the the old Fever days with Tamika and Ebony Hoffman and Brianne January. Like it gives me such nostalgia with the old team. So I'm always like, oh, I love the fact that we have white jerseys again. <laughs> yeah, I I love uh, I love going to the games, and uh, I still one of the memories I have in my head uh, is one of the bad memories. But it's when my hit a game when it shot over uh, I forget who it was at the time. It was in the playoffs. Mm -hmm. And um, she had the game might hit the game winning shot to put the you know, put them ahead in the series. And I just remember just the the feeling of being in there in the playoff game, that playoff playoff atmosphere. Um, when she hit that shot, it just sucked the life out of the stadium. I'm just like we. I was sitting there next to my you know my wife, mm -hmm. and just when she hit when when she hit that shot, we, we was just all saying like, yo. Don't let Maya get the ball. Like, don't. <laughs> no and just to, and just to see that everything happened in slow motion, it was crazy. But yeah. yeah. Yeah, no, I, I feel nothing compares to those moments. I grew up in Detroit, as you guys know, so I was a huge Detroit Shock fan. Um, was a season ticket holder. Mm -hmm. Well, my mother was. I wasn't paying for it. But I was the, I reaped the benefits of her being a season ticket holder. Um, yeah. And I, I actually got a chance to witness the Detroit Shock win their first title when actually oh, we had to awesome. leave Dallas and go to Joe Louis Arena for that short time. We were actually yeah. in the building um, and even got to put on the ring um, from coach um, Cheryl Reeves um, end up seeing wow. her at a event like 
two weeks later because you know when your season ticket holder you get invited to like special events and stuff mm-hmm. and they had an event i want to say it was applebee's or chili's and mm-hmm. we went out there and she happened to see me and my teammate and our mothers were both there with us and she mm-hmm. let us both try on like i still have a picture at home <laughs> in my mom's scrapbook probably of me wearing a detroit shocks championship ring when cheryl reese was the assistant coach under bill lambert at the time so to your oh, point about playoffs like i'll never forget those memories um my favorite player of all time to this day is still Deanna Nolan, straight out of Flint, Michigan. So, Tweety. Okay. She's still okay. my favorite player. <laughs> okay. So that kind of leads into our next question is, who's your top, if you had to build your all-time top five for the WNBA? Oh, crap. <laughs> who are you picking? Oh. <laughs> all right. Don Staley or Sue at the point, I'm trying to decide. Crap. Give me Sue at the point. Okay. Give me Deanna Nolan at the two. Tamika at the three. Give me Candace Parker at the four. Trying to decide how small I want to go for this five because I'm I'm about quickness and running the floor. <sighs> Who do I want to go with at the five? Because I kind of want to go small. Go with your heart. Well, see, my heart would have just put Candace at that bad boy. <laughs> it went with like another guard. <laughs> Uh, as your lineup nobody can tell you right or wrong that's true because i i could see me going for old school like i could see me going with lauren jackson but you know enough give me give me give me lisa lesson okay, see go with the heart you can't go wrong with that pick <laughs> yeah i'm gonna say i love lauren jackson i, I love team charles love sylvia file <laughs> But give me, give me, give me Lisa. Give me Lisa Lesson. That's a solid. We'll go back and regret whatever the heck I just said, <laughs> I'm sure, and be like, dang it, I forgot this person. But because Quo Key, I'm thinking about changing my point guard pick because I love Tisha Pinachero. That was my favorite point guard growing up. So oh. I'm like, I could, as much as I love me some Sue, I could see me going with Tisha Pinachero, but I'm going to keep it. I'm going to keep it. Sue, Sue Bird, Deanna Nolan, Tamika Cashins, Candace Parker, Lisa Lesson. That, that'd be my five. That's a, a good top five. That is. Don't hurt so, me too much. Whoever sees this, don't hurt me too much. <laughs> I will make sure they don't. Um, so the next one, um, between what's your favorite, TV shows or movies? Mm. <laughs> Used to be movies, but lately TV shows have been stepping up that game. Maybe it's just because of HBO and all the streaming. So... I'm gonna go TV shows right now. And I think the storytelling tends to be a little bit better because as long as they don't get canceled, of course, they can go a little bit longer. So I'll go TV shows. Definitely agreed. I think Desmond has been agreeing on this every time. And I, think, I don't think we have many people that have uh, gone against us, but TV shows, we like it because it's consistent. You have different seasons and you yeah. can continually watch it. Movies just yeah. two, three hours they end day in it's always something they could have expounded on they always say we can't give a six-hour movie yes you can just have an intermission yes you can you can <laughs> i promise you you can <laughs> that's right it'll be a whole it'll be a whole event trying to go to the movies with a six-hour movie though true which i mean with nowadays i'm just like just put it on tv i've been loving like the hbo max experience and just i mean don't get me wrong nothing compares to the avengers in-game moment of all of us cheering oh, oh, as the, you know the, the final moment. So I do miss that. Yeah. But if it's not like Avenger style or anything like too crazy, then it's like, oh yeah, just let me, like I streamed Mortal Kombat yesterday. I didn't need to be in the theater for that. <laughs> yeah, I'm still, I still haven't watched that movie yet and I'm so looking forward to watching it. I may see if I could um, watch it tonight. How was it? I think it was good. Now for me, I'm like a DC Marvel head. Like I, I'm okay. very particular about my okay. Marvel my dc mortal Kombat. i am not mm-hmm. the same i know the storylines i've played the video games for years so for me if storyline wise i couldn't tell you if it was too off face or not but i love the caricature i love the the moments that make you like there are certain course moments that you just know like you know 
finish them. You know, just certain sayings that you just know when you hear it, it just gives you that nostalgic feeling. So I would say that was the great thing about this. Um, and, you know, it has just a good mixture of action and gores, you know, special effects, realist, realism, martial arts. So it was good. It wasn't the best movie I've ever seen, but it was good. But if you're a true Mortal Kombat fan, you might feel differently. <laughs> So I'm putting that out there because I don't consider myself to be like a diehard Mortal Kombat fan. <laughs> I got you. I got you. Yeah, I'm a, a I'm a kind of a I'm a small DC person, but I'm a big Marvel person. But one of the favorite things I've been doing is collecting comics. So I have a, a far sector comic. Um, it's by uh, it's a black uh, female Green Lantern. So it's really, really dope. Really, pretty dope. But since I know that you're a DC and Marvel person, which one are you truly? Are you a DC person or a Marvel? Do you have a preference? Yeah, I grew up first as a X-Men fan, but mm -hmm. as I've gotten older, I've grown to appreciate the darkness that comes with DC and mm -hmm. the more realism. So probably more as an adult DC. Growing up though, I was a true like Marvel fan, but as I got older, it became more DC. I just like the storytelling a little bit, a little bit more darker, a little bit more realistic. Marvel at times was a little too, yeah. <laughs> still love them both but dc i've grown to become more <laughs> got you okay well since you're from detroit i gotta ask this question which one is your favorite coney island <sighs> it's gonna have to be american for now there are a lot of hidden gems in detroit that are not like i think we talked about this earlier it's not they're not necessarily even like pure coney spots but they have some um, conies so it's just like you know nobody would ever know you just have to go in there and know what you're ordering but if i have to pick i'll say i'll probably say american it's not a choice good. yeah i've never been up to detroit so i'm gonna have to take your word for that and but if i ever go if i do ever go up there definitely gonna um go check those out yeah please do <laughs> oh well um but that kind of wraps up our podcast episode today um we thank you lauren for joining us today um and for giving us all the information um, about your experience within radio and then transitioning to the digital side and uh, working with the fevers we really um enjoyed this conversation we had with you today oh thank you guys for having me it was uh I was uh, excited to chat with you guys, uh, you know, and now I'm like looking forward to hopefully next time we can chat, you know, I don't even, if it's offline, because I feel like some of these conversations we can have all day, so. Oh, yeah, for sure. <laughs> yeah, um, so for the people listening um, as well, um, where can they follow you at on social media or follow along um, with what you're doing? Yeah, um, you guys can follow me um, at lbeasley93 on instagram and then uh lbeasley313 on twitter i would encourage you to go to instagram i'm barely ever on twitter except just like retweeting our stuff uh, very rarely do i tweet out so ig is fine at lbeasley93 find me there and all my contact information if you ever need to get in touch with me about something all right well thank you uh for joining um for those i'm um, listening uh, you can follow us capturing game um on instagram at capturing underscore the underscore game pod I'm on Twitter, CTG underscore podcast. And you can search up on YouTube and Facebook at Capturing the Game Pod. Um, again, Lauren, uh, Desmond, I'd like to thank you for joining us again. Um, and we hope that we can talk to you soon and have another have you on another episode. Absolutely. Thank you guys again. And yeah, definitely hope to chat with you guys again soon, maybe uh, during the season or maybe like right after the season. <laughs>